The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, where we are with you each week and we welcome our listeners who tune in around the world. This is a special edition of the Pet Buzz. This program focuses on disaster pet preparedness. You know, devastating natural and man-made disasters can really upset. They can ravage our lives. And really, no one, as we've seen in past years, is exempt from the possibility of being personally affected. You need to prepare yourself and your animals in case of a disaster. An American Veterinary Medical Association representative, that's Dr. Hess, He's joining us in segment four so that we can learn about preparing for a disaster and assembling an evacuation kit. Also, the Humane Society of the United States is dropping by in segment three to talk to us about how specific disasters like flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes, and fires can affect our four-legged family members. Later on in the show, we're going to get really real. Pet First Insurance CEO Katie Blakely is giving us the 411. After recently conducting a survey of pet owners about emergency preparedness, Katie is going to tell us if we are really pet prepared for these emergencies and if we have the skills to help pets if disaster does strike. And knowing the law is an important part of planning. Kelsey Everly, staff attorney at the Animal Legal Defense Fund, is here to discuss the Pets Act. What's the Pets Act? Well, it's the Pets Evacuation and Transportation Standards Act, better known as the Pets Act. And the Pets Act is the key to federal law that affects companion animals in a disaster. Hey, from what I was just told, Kelsey's on the phone, so let's get her connected to us. Welcome, Kelsey, and thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here to review the Pets Act with us. Can you tell us what led to the development of the Pets Act? Sure. So when Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans in 2005, federal and state emergency planning laws were essentially silent on pets. No law was requiring animals to be evacuated, rescued, sheltered in an emergency. And as a result, many people chose to weather the storm at home with their animal family members rather than leave. And in fact, a a poll showed that uh, 44% of people who didn't evacuate made that choice because of their companion animals. They, they didn't want to leave them to drown. And wow. as a result, people and animals were put in harm's way and lost their lives because, you know, our system was not prepared to account for this. And so as a result, Congress passed the Pets Act in 2006 to ensure that state and local governments account for the individual needs of people with companion animals and service animals in disaster situations. Interesting. So tell us a little bit more, like, when is it operational and who does it cover? Sure. The Pets Evacuation and Transportation Standards Act, the Pets Act, was passed in 2006. It essentially, you know, charges FEMA with having emergency preparedness plans and ensuring that state and local governments have these plans. 
it provides for, you know, reimbursement of the cost of rescue, care, and shelter for individuals with household pets and animals. And it becomes operational when states make a declaration of a state of emergency. They tell the president they need federal response. And that, at that point, the trigger is in place and can be reimbursed by FEMA. So what misconceptions are there about the Pets Act? I mean, one misconception, I guess, is through the breadth of it, who it covers. I've been using the term household pet. That's actually a term in the law. The law only covers domesticated animals that are kept in the home rather than for commercial purposes. So animals in zoos and on farms are not covered. Some other misconceptions are that it requires hotels and motels to accept pets during an emergency. It does not. And so many hotels you know, might, might not waive their no pets policy. And therefore, you know, people fleeing a disaster uh, will not be able to, to go to a hotel. Another sort of related misconception is that it requires emergency shelters to accept animals. It doesn't. It has greatly expanded the number of pet-friendly shelters, but it might still be the case that shelters don't aren't able to accept animals, and that's why people need to plan in advance to identify the pet-friendly shelters in their area or the pet-friendly hotels along their evacuation route. Well, I think you've already touched on it, but where does where does the law need uh, some improvement? So it definitely needs improvement to cover more animals. We have millions of animals in zoos and puppy mills and research labs and on farms who are not covered by this law. And when disaster strikes, those animals, of course, are a danger of risking, you know, losing their lives. But also, you know, local and state governments are burdened because they don't, you know, they're not able to get um, reimbursed for the uh, cost of caring for those animals. So it really hurts animals and people, and it needs to be greatly expanded to, you know, to really uh, serve its function. Are more pet-friendly shelters needed to keep people and pets out of harm's way? I know people are trying, but... Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the law did go a long way in ensuring that companion animals can be sheltered in, in shelters with their, with their human companions, but more pet-friendly shelters are certainly needed because people do not want to be you know, separated from their animals during a stressful disaster, and neither do the animals want to be separated, and a, a way that the law can also be improved. Well, lastly, before you leave, I'm always asking everyone today, can you give us one emergency pet tip? Sure. So know your plan. Know your route, where you and your pets will go. Um, I spoke on this earlier, but identify the pet-friendly hotels that are along your evacuation route, the pet-friendly shelters. You know, know whether you have a friend or a relative along your evacuation route who could take your animal. And then, you know, be prepared. Have your pet bag ready with everything you'd need in an emergency, not only foods and medicines, but collar with ID tags, your license, your vaccination records, a photo of you and your pet in case you get separated, you know, everything that you're going to need in an emergency. And that will make, you know, when the time comes, that will make it much less stressful when you're not running around trying to collect all this stuff when you have to evacuate in a hurry. What great information. Great advice. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us today. It was indeed a pleasure having you here discussing the Pets Act. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was Kelsey Everly, staff attorney for the Animal Legal Defense Fund. For more information, visit ALDF.org. Stay with us through the whole hour because we're chatting with Diane Robinson from the Humane Society of the United States about disasters and how they affect pets. But up next, we're going to find out if pet owners are really ready for an emergency.
I'm petrinologist Charlotte Reed with a healthy pet, healthy you tip. There are many reasons that you might have to shelter at home with your pets, such as unsafe air quality, dangerous roads, and or high winds and flying debris, but you have to be prepared. So here are some suggestions. Make sure your pet's inside. If it's unsafe for you to be outside, it's unsafe for him too. Know the location of your pet's emergency go bag. It should have already been stocked with extra food, water, first aid kit, and other essentials your pet needs. Take your pet with you to a room that's safe. The room's location is based on whether you are sheltering from a hurricane, earthquake, tornado, flood, or blizzard. If there's a wildfire, it's best to take your pet and leave the premises immediately. Bring a battery-operated radio to ensure that you can get updates from emergency officials, even if the power goes out and your phone or internet connection or down. If time allows, move your pet's favorite bed or blanket to your safe room so that you can make him as comfortable as possible until the threat passes. Since pets can get restless if cooped up inside in one room, bring items to keep him engaged, such as toys, games, and learning activities. Make sure your pet has a place to relieve himself. Keeping puppy pee pads on hand can be useful for this purpose, as can potty training your dog to go indoors. Have a few disposable litter boxes for cats, too. Make sure to have cleaning supplies on hand in case of an accident. Keep your pet away from the windows. Debris may be flying around during a storm due to high winds. In fact, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says that flying debris is the most common cause of injury during a hurricane. Be ready for you and your pet to leave at a moment's notice. Keep your dog's leash, crate, or carrier, and any necessarily travel gear near the exit. For cats, have a carrier or pop-up shelter and other essentials. Once gone, you can refer to your emergency evacuation plan. You know, pets know when there's panic in the air, so try to remain as calm as possible. This is pet trendologist Charlotte Reed with a healthy pet, healthy you tip. Stay safe. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night and he led me over to a very specific person. And here that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer, and Aladdin and I are individuals. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. 
Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. I don't know if you saw it, but did you see the movie The Devil Wears Prada? Yes. Okay. Well, there's a scene in the movie where the staff is preparing for the run-through. That's a preview of the fashions that would be put in the issue. Well, Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly is really upset, and she says, is anybody ready? <laughs> Why is no one ready? Well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being ready in this segment. You know, as a pet owner, are you ready for an emergency or natural disaster? Our next guest is going to tell us how prepared pet owners really are. Yes, and joining us today is Pet First Pet Insurance CEO, Katie Bakley. She is the dog mom of a terrier mix, Franklin, who accompanies her to work most days. Katie, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Are most pet owners prepared for an emergency and or a natural disaster? So the short answer is no. (laughs) Um, Essentially, we as pet parents, we want to focus on the the warm and fuzzy side of pet ownership, but we often aren't thinking about the worst cases and the bad things that can happen. So when it comes to an emergency or natural disaster, we're often not prepared. That's true of those vet bills, right, Dr. Flood? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, Pet First recently conducted a survey about emergency preparedness. And thank you so much for sending that over to us. We always like to know about the protocols of surveys. You know, whom did you uh, conduct the survey with? How was it done? So we reached out to our 50,000, roughly 50,000 dog and cat policyholders, folks that have pet insurance with Pet First. Um, to ask them a little bit more about their preparedness. Are they ready for an emergency or a natural disaster when it comes to their pets? Well, what did the survey results reveal? So a little bit discouraging in a sense that more than 50% of pet parents do worry about what would happen to their pets in case something unexpected like a disaster should happen. But less than 10% have taken a first aid class that focused on pets. Less than a third of policyholders really had a specific plan when it came to a natural disaster. So even though it's something that we worry about, it's not something that we've taken steps to address at this point. So did any of the pet owners you surveyed have any preparedness skills? Yeah, so less than a third of Pet First policyholders had had a Pet First Aid class, and less than 10% had actually taken a class that focused on pets. So even though some people had had taken the initiative to invest in a class and learn some of those first aid skills, the majority had not. Hmm. Well, we got to push that with your with your clients and our listeners. You yeah, know, I'm surprised I, that the number is higher than what I thought. Right. It would I mean, there's be. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with CEO of Pet First Insurance, Katie Blakely, about how prepared pet owners really are for emergency and natural disasters. Well, let's talk about some of the positives in this survey. Some of the good news is it's important to keep a two-week supply of food and medicine on hand in case you have to evacuate quickly, and nearly 80% of our policyholders surveyed do, in fact, do that. So that was encouraging to hear. But, of course, on the downside there, many people haven't assembled it and have it in a uh, kind of grab-and-go spot in their home. So that's an important next step to take beyond that two-week supply. Okay, Katie, the expert. Why do you think it's important to think about emergencies before they happen and prepare yourself? 
So we're in the pet health insurance business. That's what we do day in and day out. So we're always thinking about the unexpected, and we really do encourage pet parents to do the same. Even though it can be unpleasant uh, and a bit disconcerting to think through, it's important to plan for the unexpected so you can make sure that you're giving your dog, your cat, the best care available, even in the event of emergency or a natural disaster. Well, you know, like Daddy always said, being prepared helps you deal with the situation when the time comes. Right, Dr. Fleck? Absolutely. And that's one of your philosophies, too. So lastly, you are in the insurance business. So tell us why purchasing pet insurance can be another great way to prepare for an emergency. So unexpected veterinary bills can often feel like an emergency to a pet parent. And pet insurance is a smart way to help mitigate that risk so that you have the financial means, no matter what may happen, uh, to provide the best care for your pet in the event of an emergency, especially in a natural disaster or another emergency situation, our pets can become harmed as well. So we want to make sure that there is a financial plan in the event that the unexpected happens, and pet insurance is a great way to plan for that. Hey, do you want to share one emergency preparedness tip with us? That you came up with you and Franklin, her pooch. Yes. So one smart thing to do is keep a child safety gate with you in your car. It may make it easier if you need to take refuge with a friend or family member, especially if they're not a pet-owning household, because you have your pet, you have an option to help keep your pet contained. So a child safety gate is a smart thing for pets as well. Hey, Katie, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely. And what a great tip. And you know what? You can buy one for as little as 20 bucks at Walmart. Well, everyone, that was Pet First Insurance CEO Katie Blakely discussing how ill-prepared pet owners are for emergencies and natural disasters. She wants pet owners to get pet prepared now. So for more information, visit Pet First. Well, still to come on the Pet Buzz, in segment four, we'll be chatting with a representative from the American Veterinary Medical Association about preparing a disaster plan and assembling an evacuation kit. Up next, Diane Robinson of the Humane Society is talking specifics about natural disasters. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed with a Healthy Pet Healthy You tip. There are many reasons that you might have to shelter at home with your pets, such as unsafe air quality, dangerous roads, and or high winds and flying debris, but you have to be prepared. So here are some suggestions. Make sure your pet's inside. If it's unsafe for you to be outside, it's unsafe for him too. Know the location of your pet's emergency go bag. It should have already been stocked with extra food, water, first aid kit, and other essentials your pet needs. Take your pet with you to a room that's safe. The room's location is based on whether you are sheltering from a hurricane, earthquake, tornado, flood, or blizzard. If there's a wildfire, it's best to take your pet and leave the premises immediately. Bring a battery-operated radio to ensure that you can get updates from emergency officials, even if the power goes out and your phone or internet connection or down. 
if time allows, move your pet's favorite bed or blanket to your safe room so that you can make him as comfortable as possible until the threat passes. Since pets can get restless if cooped up inside in one room, bring items to keep them engaged, such as toys, games, and learning activities. Make sure your pet has a place to relieve himself. Keeping puppy pee pads on hand can be useful for this purpose, as can potty training your dog to go indoors. Have a few disposable litter boxes for cats, too. Make sure to have cleaning supplies on hand in case of an accident. Keep your pet away from the windows. Debris may be flying around during a storm due to high winds. In fact, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says that flying debris is the most common cause of injury during a hurricane. Be ready for you and your pet to leave at a moment's notice. Keep your dog's leash, crate, or carrier and any necessarily travel gear near the exit. For cats, have a carrier or pop-up shelter and other essentials. Once gone, you can refer to your emergency evacuation plan. You know, pets know when there's panic in the air, so try to remain as calm as possible. This is pet trendologist Charlotte Reed with a healthy pet, healthy you tip. Stay safe. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on. A big house. How do I look? Do do I look good? I want to play hard. My nails done. Once a month. I want. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love. Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, natural disasters are catastrophic events with atmospheric, geological, and hydrological origins. Droughts, earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, hurricanes, and landslides can cause fatalities, property damage, and social environmental disruption. In order to get pet prepared, We need to learn more about them. So, joining us today to talk about natural disasters and how they affect our pets is Diane Robinson, Program Manager of the Disaster Service, Animal Rescue Team for the Humane Society of the United States. Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us why it's important to educate yourself about natural disasters in the state in which you live? Absolutely. Every state has its own unique challenges and their own disasters. So you want to educate yourself what would directly impact you, your family, your community, and knowing that every disaster is going to be a bit different. So even if you've been through flooding in the past, it's not going to look the same. It's not necessarily going to feel the same, and the needs could be very different. Great point. Right, Dr. Fleck? Oh, absolutely. Well, let's start with something we've seen so much of in recent months. That's flooding. How can pet owners prepare for this type of a disaster? Every pet owner, first of all, needs to be prepared. They need to have a plan for their family to evacuate. They need to have to-go kits. 
paying attention to the weather reports and be prepared to leave when they're asked to evacuate. The other big thing I like to always caution people is when you are evacuating is don't drive your family through roads that are covered with water. Oftentimes it's deeper than you think it is. And while water is so much more powerful a lot of times than we really expect it to be. I mean, we've seen so many of those 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 visuals, those pictures on news shows where the kids, the dog and the mom and dad are no longer driving. They're being carried or in some cases they all drown, which is a really horrible thing. Or they're in boats already. Yeah. So that's one way people have a tendency to evacuate, but that's always when people wait too long. Right. Um, in that case, Absolutely. I think, and you would probably agree with me, Diane, in that case, it's always a good idea to make sure you have a life jacket for your pet. Absolutely. If it gets to that point in waiting for rescue to come, it's not a good idea to try and rescue yourself if you're not prepared. Flood water is not like the rivers and the lakes we play on with our boat. Good point. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Diane Robinson, Program Manager of Disaster Service, Animal Rescue Team for the Humane Society of the United States. So, Diane, what do pet owners need to know in states that suffer from tornadoes? I guess it's windy. Tornadoes are tough. We don't have the warning with the tornadoes that we do with other disasters. So you really need to be proactive in that. Um, Having a weather radio available having uh, most of us have smartphones so we can get weather alerts on our smartphones but always relying on that old technology of radios that are going to give you those alerts and let you know when it's safe to come back out know where your safe spot is in your home or wherever you happen to be and get there the other thing that i caution with folks who have um, tornado prone areas is those who have the outdoor livestock and horses in being prepared ahead of time if you can secure them when weather might be coming in. If it gets to the point where the storms are coming, you've got to take care of yourself and your human family and then have medical kits and be prepared to manage scenes after the event rather than risking your lives by trying to to go out and fix things when a storm is coming. You just don't have the time. You need to get safe. A few episodes ago, I think you remember this, Dr. Fleck, we had Edie McKenzie on, and she actually trained her dog to go into the shelter. So when the tornadoes came, the dog knew to go when they heard the tornado warning. Remember that? It went right into the closet, and I thought that was brilliant. I think the other thing people need to know when you have tornadoes, you want to make sure that you leash up your dog. Because the dogs, I think, probably are feeling the barometric pressure before the tornado starts. So that way you can round the dog up easily. So you want to make sure, or if the dog is acting weird, then that's your sign. But um, the other thing I think people need to think of is the aftermath, because there's so much debris on the ground. You want to make sure your animals are not out and about because they can cut themselves or injure themselves in all that debris. Absolutely. Those are all really good points. Wildfires. Thinking of California, even at the present time. What about wildfires and How can we protect our pets during wildfires and possibly evacuation? Yeah, I saw this a lot when I was living in Colorado. The first is mitigation is best. If you live in an area that's prone to wildfires and your property is at risk, you know, get with your local fire department and see if they'll come out and help look at your property and see what you can do to protect it from those fires coming in. 
those that don't have any mitigation and don't have green space around it, those properties aren't being defended. And too often people try and stay and defend them themselves, which puts themselves and their animals and first responders, quite honestly, at risk trying to save them. The other thing is the same with all of them, evacuate. If you're called to evacuate, you have got to leave. So gather up your things and get going sooner than later. Fires move very quickly. And with the smoke and all of the noise and the chaos of it, it gets very disorienting when you're trying to leave. Um, and as stated earlier, the panic of the animals, they sense this, they get scared, and they'll, they may run away. So you need to be prepared, have them secured, and get them loaded up and get them out of there. You know, you brought one point up that I've never heard before, and that's having the firemen assess your property. I think that's absolutely excellent. I mean, not everyone can actually do Kim Kardashian and Canine West and hire private firefighters, if you recall that, um, to protect their family. But I thought, I think that's an interesting point. Also, I think people want to remember those hot temperatures. The ground gets really hot. The atmosphere gets hot, especially if you've, and I'm sure you would agree with me, Dr. Fleck, if your dog is older, has respiratory problems, it's going to have a hard time breathing. The other thing that I learned a while ago is um, dogs' eyes, they have a tendency to really itch and water. So someone suggested that you have a pair of doggles. Uh, those are those glasses that you put on your dog's eyes if you have to evacuate. Um during, you know, a wildfire. And just remember, it gets really hot uh, on the ground. So you might have a situation where you your dog's paws might get burnt. Okay. So, of course, we can't forget hurricanes because Dr. Fleck and I live in Florida. Diane, can you give us some pet 411 about pets and hurricanes? Yeah, evacuate. Number <laughs> one, if, if the storm's coming in, gather up your animals and your family and get out of town. Sooner than later, because those roads get crowded and it gets to a point where you just you're you're no longer able to evacuate. Uh, you want to check ahead of time if you're going to stay with family and friends. Make sure your animals can be there. Make sure that they can be there potentially for a long time, because you could be out of your home for weeks to months. And so you want to have a plan: Are you going to somebody's place, or are you going to a pet-friendly evacuation shelter? If you plan on going somewhere where there's hotels that are pet-friendly hotels, I'd encourage you to go quickly because those fill up very fast. And so those plans in getting everything that you're going to need and being prepared that you could be on the road for a little while trying to get out of town, depending on when you leave, so you have extra food and water in your vehicle, but get out of town. <laughs> Immediately, because we remember those those long lines on the highways, people leaving Florida, going up to Atlanta. They were on the roads for eight hours and maybe moved, you know, what normally would be an hour. You had a question, Dr. Fleck. And it's one that we always have to ask our experts to emphasize to our listening audience. Why should you never leave your pet behind? They can't take care of themselves. If it's not safe for us, it's not safe for them. Great, great. Well, finally, one last tip. We have 30 seconds. One last tip that you can recommend that you think is super, super important. Be prepared and when disaster hits, follow the directions and evacuate with your pet. Well, that was Diane Robinson, Program Manager of the Disaster Service Animal Rescue Team from the Humane Society of the United States discussing our pets 
and the effect upon them when we have natural disasters. Stay tuned. Next up, learn how to create a disaster plan and an evacuation kit from a representative of the American Veterinary Medical Association. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Welcome back. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And I'm petrindologist Charlotte Reed. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and, and country. You know, the American Veterinary Medical Association has developed a booklet entitled Saving the Whole Family, which offers excellent advice to help you prepare for disasters and evacuations. Although the book provides equine and livestock information, too, we're going to focus on the dogs and cats in this segment. And joining us to talk about the American Veterinary Medical Association booklet and offer advice about disaster preparedness is Dr. Warren Hess. Dr. Warren Hess, whose mobile veterinary practice exploded while he was inside, now works on disaster-related issues as an assistant director of the AVMA, the Division of Animal and Public Health. So, Dr. Hess, thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. Hey, happy to be with you. You know, we were reading your introduction, and we were astonished that you had a mobile veterinary practice that exploded while you were inside it. That's unbelievable. Not exploded as in great business coming in the door. That was exploded (laughs) as in a fire explosion that happened with a propane leak. Now, were you in there with an animal or animals? Yes, I had one animal uh, that was hospitalized in the mobile clinic and thought that the propane leak had been fixed and went out the next morning and uh, I was uh, lighting a thick lighter to do some work and uh, the whole uh, thing exploded. Wow. How frightening. Um, Well, you're our guy to talk about emergency preparedness and disaster planning. (laughs) Well, I'm interested. Were you you injured? Yes, I was injured. uh, Had uh, Mostly third degree burns over a third of my body. Wow. How uh, awesome. Skin grafts, hospital for several months, rehab for about a year. So it was quite an experience. Well, you know what's great about this is your life lesson to talk about this Absolutely. subject. So we're excited to have you here. So I'm going to start off with the first question. Well, first of all, thank you so much for telling us that story. I guess my first question is really simple and it might sound trite, but why is it important to have a plan? for a disaster, and what should that disaster planning encompass? 
Well, why is it important? You know, anytime we prepare for something that might happen, we're likely to have a better outcome. However, I think we have to keep in mind what General Eisenhower often said, and that is, he said, quote, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Mm, I like that one. So, therefore, realizing that creating a plan and putting it on the shelf isn't what's going to help you. The thing that's going to help you the most is ongoing planning and practicing, or what we refer to as exercising the plan. There's all kinds of disasters. Some of them, like hurricanes, you've got several days to prepare ahead of time and you've got notice, especially with the improved weather prediction, you know, that's occurred over my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But there's others where you have very little notice, like tornadoes, or no notice, like earthquakes. Sometimes you'll need to shelter in place. Sometimes you'll be asked to evacuate. But the important thing is that you've started a planning process, and once you start planning, don't stop. That's a good point. So here's here's really an important question for people. Why should you take your animals with you? <laughs> there are a lot of reasons to include your animals in your personal and family preparedness plans and to be prepared to take them with you whenever you can. You know, for a large majority of the people in this country, their animals are considered family members. So when animals are left behind, it creates additional unneeded stress on the family and on the pet. And it also puts response personnel at additional risk when they try to locate and rescue those animals. Thank you so much for that comment, because we've seen that for the last few years where people leave, they leave their animals behind, and then first responders are endangering themselves. There was a, a big case in South Carolina where a woman left a Maltese behind, and the Maltese was just barely hanging on to the top of the couch, the whole place was yeah. flooded. So, yep. and first responders had to break into our house. So thank you so much for, for mentioning that. You know, also, if uh, when there are shelters that allow animals to be kept with the owners, we call those cohabitated shelters. Those human shelters are reporting far fewer problems than those human shelters where there are no animals. It's hmm. amazing what the presence of animals can do in calming people. Not just the family that knows they've got their their uh, pet with them, but, but also others around them. Okay, so we've got our plan. We've got our pet. What supplies should dog and cat owners take with them? Well, those supplies can, can uh, be a little extensive to explain. But just real briefly, ABMA has got a, a great pamphlet on our, on our website called Saving the Whole Family. That brochure is available for free download for anybody. Um, and so just go to abma.org and search for disaster or search for saving the whole family. But real quickly, you'll need things that the animals are going to need. Food, hopefully food that they're familiar with is going to be really helpful rather than food that they're not familiar with. They're going to need water just like we do. Cats are going to need a litter box, a way to contain the animals, leashes, crates, kennels medical records, and uh, ID or proof of ownership of the animal. Oh, that was a question I was going to ask. Why do you need uh, proof of ownership and a picture? Well, proof of ownership and a picture uh, is really helpful in situations where your pet, you and your pet might get separated. Um, that can happen for any number of reasons. And those items can be really helpful in the what we call the reunification process, trying to get pets back to their proper and rightful owners. 
you know, microchips are a great way to permanently identify your pet, but they don't replace the obvious help and assistance that an identification tag placed on a collar or a harness will provide. But having a photo that contains both you and your pet in the picture is also a great way to show proof of ownership. I'll tell you, trying to reunify pets with their owners during or after a disaster is a major effort. And anything owners can do to help simplify that process in the case that you are separated from your pet would be really helpful. Oh, I really like that. Old school and new school. That's really great. Hey, as a veterinary colleague, why is it important to have your pet's medical records and additional medications or a prescription have it with you when you evacuate? Having the medical records with the pet and obviously any medicine that's needed for them will be very helpful. It can prevent your pet from having to be revaccinated unnecessarily. And in cases where there is a bite incident, having proof of rabies vaccination can be life-saving for your pet. So having those papers with you, vaccination history, medical record, and medicine is is really important. It's key. Put that in a go bag and grab it and take it with you. Can you give us one tip before you leave that you think is a must in any pet owner's evacuation plan? Remember, the plan is useless. But the planning process and the practicing or exercising of that plan is indispensable. President Eisenhower, thank you. And (laughs) Dr. Dr. Hess. Hess, thank you for visiting with us today. That was great. Well, that was our guest, Dr. Warren Hess, discussing emergency planning and disaster preparedness. For more information, visit avma.org. Because we want to share this great booklet with you, we're going to post it in the link in the disaster planning section of the Pet Buzz website. So you can download it, of course, or you can, like I said, go to the AVMA website. That's the bell, signifying it's time to wrap up the show. Already. Already. Well, and this is such a great topic, so all of our listeners and even us want to absorb as much information as possible. We certainly do. Well, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pet Buzz, focusing on disaster preparation. We hope this information helps you, and we encourage you to share this broadcast with your friends. So let's thank our guest, Dr. Fleck. Special thanks to our guests, Kelsey Eberly, Katie Blakely, Diane Robinson, and Dr. Warren Hess. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Hey, if you have any questions, write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on our next show. Yeah, and just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit the Pet Buzz website, our social media channels, and podcast outlets like Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Listen to the link. You can also find the show on the Disaster planning section of the Pet Buzz website. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. (laughs) I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com.